Hello and welcome to the Bible and Me podcast brought to you by Precept UK. We are a charity based here in Salisbury focused mainly on Bible study resources and it's our mission to equip people to know God deeply and to live differently as a result. For more information, visit precept.org.uk. But firstly, I just want to start this off by saying a massive thank you to all of our listeners. We are so blessed now to be releasing Series 7 and we couldn't have got there without your incredible testimonies and reviews. If you aren't already, we would love it if you would consider subscribing so that you won't miss out on ordinary people with interesting stories about an extraordinary God. But without further ado, here's the podcast. Well, I am very, very pleased to be welcoming Sam Gordon to the podcast today. Reverend Sam Gordon. Uh, Sam has an international Bible teaching ministry and over the years has travelled extensively around Africa, Europe, uh, the Middle East and the Americas, and I'm sure further afield as well. Originally from Bangor in Northern Ireland, Sam and his wife Lois now live in South Yorkshire. Uh, their only son, Timothy, was tragically killed when he was around 15 years of age. And Sam tells this story in his best-selling book called It's Hurting Lord. Sam has been a pastor, an on-air Bible teacher, and an executive director of a ministry whose special focus is sharing Jesus with the Jewish people. In 2016, Sam launched Truth For Today, um, a Bible teaching ministry, more of which in a moment. Uh, Sam is a prolific writer with over 20 publications to his credit. So Sam, welcome to the programme. Thank you very much indeed, Nigel. I almost did not recognize myself there, but there we go. It's good to be with you today. And oh, thank you so well, much for the warm welcome. Well, it's lovely to, lovely to have this time with you. Um, now, Sam, um, how did you become a follower of Jesus? Uh, and why do you follow him? Well, it goes back quite a number of years now, actually. Um, I was in my mid-teens living in Bangor, Northern Ireland, and uh, had been brought up in a Christian home. My mother and father both loved the Lord Jesus Christ and were actively following him. But typical teenager that I was, I had absolutely little or no interest in the things of God. I put it to the back of my mind. I just didn't want to get involved. To me, in my early teens, life had more attractions, more pleasures, more things I wanted to do, etc. And then one Sunday evening at the end of January in 1968, which is what, 52 years now, I think it is. Yeah, I was only a boy back then. But yeah, the last Sunday in January 1968, uh, my pastor decided to walk me home from the youth fellowship on a Sunday evening, which would be meeting in his home. Now, okay, I knew my way home. <laughs> that wasn't a problem. We were halfway home when I felt a big hand coming down on my shoulder. And he simply asked me outright, Sam, do you know Jesus personally? Are you saved? And that was a bolt from the blue. And I told him quite simply that I wasn't. had absolutely no intention of coming to know him. Life was more meaningful, more important, blah, 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 blah. And he bade me good evening and said, well, Samuel, I'm going back home to keep on praying for you. He was a brand new pastor in our church back there in Bangor. And um, 
That was on that Sunday evening, the end of January. Well, I tell you, Nigel, two weeks later, I was back at the same youth fellowship, uh, not only to enjoy his wife's sumptuous baking and the crack that went along with it, but... Um, Which was the real reason you were there. <laughs> that was the real reason why I was there, quite, quite frankly. And, uh, but at the end of the youth fellowship that evening, I just simply said to him, you know, Pastor, I'd like a chat with you. I think he knew what was coming. And I told him what had happened the previous two weeks in between times, that I was struggling to sleep at night and I was under conviction of sin. God was making me more and more aware of my desperate need for life with a capital L-I-F-E. And I became very much aware of my sin and my sinfulness. And so that evening we chatted beside the open fire in his little study. And uh, later that evening I knelt down on a city beside the city and uh, simply committed my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That was on Sunday, the 11th of February, 1968. And as I say, that's half a century ago now. And you know, looking back over all those years, it's probably the biggest decision I've ever made. But it's one that I've absolutely no regrets over making. So I've been following Jesus for five decades now, plus a little bit more. And uh, it hasn't always been, but it's been really wonderful. So why do you follow Jesus? Why do I follow Jesus? Well, tell me, who else in life is there worth following? He is the only one that is worth following. Um, He gave us all for me at the place called Calvary. And when I came to know him as my personal Lord and Savior, it seemed to me that I have no plan B, I have no option, I have no alternative, but to give my entire life to following in his ways. Mm. And so all these years later, I'm happy and yet humbled to say that he is still my Lord. He's still my Savior. And no matter how many days or few days I have left this side of heaven, I want to commit them to following the only one who is well worth following. Wonderful. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for that. Now, what are your memories um, of growing up? Um, obviously, you, you know, you've you mentioned a little bit there, but, but there were soon to be troubles in Northern Ireland, weren't there? Um, yeah, just how would you describe what, reflecting on your growing up? I mean, I was brought up in a in, in a fine home and in, in a very loving environment. I had uh, one younger brother, David, who until a few days ago was actually a senior pastor of a very, very big Baptist church in the suburbs of Glasgow. And uh, he was quite a character, still is, I have to say. But, you know, growing up in a, in a very secure family environment, I still wasn't impressed with... Um, Christianity and the gospel. Yeah. I basically wanted to do my own thing. I was a, I was a rebel at heart, and yeah. especially in my early teens, and I dabbled in one thing and another. Yeah. But, you know, I very quickly discovered that, hey, there was fun, there was enjoyment, there was pleasure, there was satisfaction to one degree. But, you know, I woke up the next morning, and there was still a vacancy deep down in my heart. Yeah. Um, but as you say, Nigel, those were the 60s, swinging 60s as they're often called and yet back in uh, 67 68 what has been gone down in history as the troubles kicked off in northern ireland 
And the bottom line is very simply this, that many of my best friends at that point in time uh, spent time behind bars for their involvement in the Troubles. And I think the bottom line, without exaggerating, is simply this, if God had not reached down in mercy and plucked me out of that scenario, I too probably would have been sucked into similar involvement. And so that's why I'm just so thankful that there but for God's grace go I. So, yeah. No, wonderful. Now, how would you describe your education prowess as a sort of 15, 16 year old? And, and, and what happened around that time? <laughs> well, it was very interesting. My brother is a clever one in the family, I have to say. And so when it came to the turf is doing the 11 plus, he's one year and one week younger than I am. He passed it by flying colours. And so he went to the local grammar school. I was not quite so privileged or fortunate as that. I got through a kind of borderline case. And so I ended up going to what was then the uh, technical college. And that was fine for me. It was okay. But, you know, rebellious, as I hinted already, I, I came to faith in the Lord Jesus the year I was doing my GCS or GCE O-levels. Yeah. That was in February. The O-levels exams were in the June that year, I think they were. Nigel, the baseline is there's no way you can make up four and a half years' work in three or four months. <laughs> so consequently, my educational prowess when it came to O-levels was quite frankly nothing to write home about. It was embarrassing. Um, and yet, just because I flunked and failed at that point in time, God still had other ideas. I was blessed at that point uh, with going to the Scripture Union in school where there was a, a fine Christian man as one of the teachers. And we, we had a conversation, a heart to heart, and I told him that even then I had a heart to serve the Lord somewhere, some way, sometime. And he encouraged me to do a two-year course in one year, a senior secretarial course, as they called it, RSA, stage two and stage three, shorthand typing, yep. bookkeeping, all this kind of thing. Brilliant. And you know, Nigel, I took to it like a duck to water. And I loved it. With God's help, I excelled at that particular course. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, all was not lost. No, and yeah, isn't that interesting? And I'm sure those skills have stood you in good stead throughout your life. Now, I understand that after that course, um, you you embarked on a number of years of theological training. Firstly, in the U.S. uh, with the New Tribes Mission. Yeah. And then at Belfast Bible College. Yeah. Um, why, why the U.S.? Why New Tribes? And, and what are your memories of, of that sort of theological training, given, given what you've said about your academic ability? Yeah, I mean, I never read a book, <laughs> to be quite honest with you, um, until I came to faith in the Lord. The books I read back then were really nothing. It was a dandy and the beano and, and the hotspur and all the boys' comics. That was it. But I came to faith in February 68. And in my hometown of Bangor, uh, County Down, for many, many years, and it's still continuing, they always had an annual major missions conference, usually about the last week in August, if my memory is right. And so I went along to it evening by evening, loved it, was challenged by the various speakers. One of the keynote speakers was a Dr. 
um, Christian Weiss, who was a missions director for Back to the Bible Radio Ministry back then. And he made an impassioned appeal on the final evening, the Saturday evening. Anybody want to come forward, dedicate their life to Jesus Christ, full-time ministry, wherever God may lead, uh, stand up, come right down, we'll have a conversation. There were a couple of thousand people in the church that evening. It was packed to the rafters. I was up in the gallery. I liked it up there. You could see what was going on all around you. And so I, along with a number of other folks, made my way down to the front and publicly dedicated our lives to following Jesus. It was um, the year after, in September 69, when I'd finished uh, college, etc., that I went to New Tribes Mission Bible College because I felt God was leading me into some kind of mission-type ministry. Didn't know where, didn't know how it was going to pan out. And the New Tribes Mission College offered a, a, a what would you call it? a kind of an all-round exposure to mission, but also to basic Bible college training. Yep. It was only 18 months long, three semesters. It was in Waukesha, Wisconsin. It was my first time of freedom away from mom and dad. And um, it was quite a challenge, but I have to say again, I absolutely loved it. Mm. Loved every minute of that. Mm. And I just think being in a new culture, meeting different people, living and working with others, etc. And then I came back and was married in between times and went to Belfast Bible College for three years. Um, again, I have to, I mean, I have to be honest, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. The biblical languages I found enormously challenging and still do to this very day. <laughs> but the rest of it, yeah. um, I even got an A in doing A-level English, because that was part of the first year. Did you? <laughs> so, yeah, I did. And I come out with a distinction in theology and all the rest of it. Really? But, that, you know, is yeah. that, is, that really is amazing, isn't it? I mean, Yeah, God you, is so good and so faithful. When you find something that you really interests you yeah. um, and you apply yourself, yeah. then, then, yeah. Uh, it reminds me of a very good friend of ours. You may know the name Frank Cook, who was president of the Baptist oh, yes. Union many yes, years ago. Yes. Frank Cook. Mm -hmm. um, he he said that he'd never read a book by the time he was 24, 25. And yet he ended up being the president of the Baptist Union, you know, absolutely early 80s. So it is amazing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. what, what God is able to do now after theological training, you led various churches in uh, Northern Ireland, in Scotland, in Sunderland. Over a period of about 20 years. Yeah. Uh, what are your memories of your time in pastoral ministry? Mm -hmm. And what are the thing, some of the things that you saw God do? Uh, and what was, what was he doing in your life at the time as well? I mean, it's like everything, Nigel. Having spent three years in theological seminary, uh, where you're exposed to a fair bit of biblical education and a good, solid, sound biblical education, nothing quite prepares you for the rigors of being involved in day-to-day -day pastoral ministry. It's one, thing, it's one thing sitting in a lecture room on the receiving end. Mm. It's a different matter when you're out there um, in the thick of the action, as it were. And um, again, I mean, God was so good. I've, my, my, my first pastor was across here in Ballymena, Northern Ireland. It was a fairly young church in terms of it had only been planted a few years beforehand. Whenever I went there, there were 
40 or 50 people there worshiping regularly, uh, on fire for God, keen for the word, etc. When I left a few years later, we had about 120, 130 people. There was amazing growth. We saw a number of people who were wonderfully converted. Um, we had the privilege of not only preaching on the Lord's Day twice, but also doing a Bible study on a Tuesday evening. And actually seeing that so well attended, we had to move from the, from the hall into the main church building. We saw baptisms. We saw a lot of blessing there. And uh, the same is true in Limavady. And God was just working and, and it was just humbling. As a pastor, I certainly didn't have all the answers. I still don't have all the answers. But I just trust the Lord has given me a, a soft heart to be able to get alongside people and to enter into their experiences, good and not so good. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I have missed since leaving the pastoral ministry is just that regular contact with the same congregation. Yeah. Um, but having said that, every church where I was pleased to pastor, I have been back many, many times in the intervening period. Mm. And so there is that ongoing relationship. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just thank God for that privilege. And, and just this year, joy not only of being with people in, in days of joy and, and, and in days of deep sorrow yeah. and, and walking the road with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just the, the, the privilege and the, and the delight and in many ways the, the um, responsibility mm. of opening up God's word yeah. on a consecutive basis, yeah. engaging well, in an expository ministry yeah. and just seeing the word do what the word does. Yeah. It's God speaking to my heart. Yeah. And then through the word to the hearts and lives of those who were gathered in. Yeah, fantastic. Now, you, um, the Lord led you out of leading a church to being used by him to build a wider church, as it were, across borders mm -hmm. and nations uh, as a radio Bible teacher for Trans World Radio. How did that move to that post come about? Tell us a little bit about the work of Transworld Radio. And again, what are some of the things you saw God do uh, as, during your time there? Well, you know, again, Nigel, I've said earlier, I think that God makes no mistakes. And in many ways, he probably has a, a wry sense of humor. Because when I came forward in 1968 at the Mission Convention, the keynote speaker was a Dr. Weiss, a Back to the Bible radio, a global radio ministry. Little did I think that all those years later, that I too would be involved in a worldwide radio ministry. And um, I was responsible for a, a Bible teaching program we called Truth for Today. Uh, but out five days a week, a 30-minute Bible teaching program, where again, I was systematically teaching my way through God's Word. And I did that for 11 or 12 years. So where English was a first or a second language, around the world, my program was broadcast. Mm. Um, and actually from those programs, I mean, it is, it is so different when you're speaking to a live congregation mm. on a Sunday or midweek, whatever the case is, to just you sitting in your study or down in the studio, uh, talking into a microphone, yeah. it is so different. Yeah. Uh, there's very little comeback there and then. Yeah. Um, but the Lord enabled us to adapt to that fairly quickly. 
And that was a huge responsibility, a very, very heavy and a very demanding workload. Um, on that 30-minute program, there were some musical bridges. There was the intro and the outro, as they often say. But the actual Bible teaching content was anything between 22 and 24 minutes in length. Yeah. And to actually prepare for one of those yeah. was anything between six and eight hours preparation. So you can work at the mathematics. It was a fair commitment. Yeah. But I tell you, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And, and, and many of my uh, so-called friends, who were still the best of buddies to me, always get the comment, and, oh, Sam, you look lovely in the radio. You've got a beautiful voice for radio and, and all the rest of it, you know. Um, so, yes, it was good. It was very, very good. Wonderful. Now, and Transfer the... Radio, actually, are broadcasting globally mm. in now over 200 languages. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, isn't tremendous. Incredible? The power of radio, absolutely. Now, after some years, you became the director of an organization called Messianic Testimony, mm -hmm. uh, a ministry reaching out to Jewish people around the world. Um, how would you characterize the numbers of Jewish people coming to faith these days in the Lord? In yeah, again, I just, it's quite interesting. I was, I was headhunted, if that's a word you want to use. Uh, and again, I can take you back to where God first gave me a burden for reaching Jewish people. It, it was shortly after I came to faith. Uh, and I was having my quiet time um, in Bangor itself in one of the parks, sitting under a tree, just having my quiet time. And I have the date in there in my Bible. I was reading Romans chapter 10, uh, and God gave me a burden. It was Paul's desire that Jewish people might be saved. But again, little did I think that all those years later, I've been involved in the ministry reaching Jewish people. Uh, Messiah Testimony has a fascinating history. It's actually one of the older Jewish missions. And they have missionaries serving the Lord throughout Europe, obviously in the land of Israel, in South Africa and in Russia and right here in the UK as well. Uh, reaching Jewish people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is a challenge. It's certainly not an easy assignment. Um, but the truth of the matter is that we serve a saviour today who is Jewish. Yeah. We take God's word in our hand and what we have right there essentially is a Jewish book. And so the one that we're commending to Jewish people is one that they read of right here yeah. in Scripture itself. Um, and again, when it comes to not only sharing your faith or biblical truth with Jewish people, what is so encouraging is that today there are more Jewish people coming to faith today than anyone can ever remember in many, many years long since gone. Yeah. So God is bringing them in. The harvest is being gathered home. Yeah. And I just thank God that in that final day, there will be an uncountable number of Jewish people rubbing shoulders with you and me and singing praises unto the Lamb. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Yeah, amen. What would you say to people who believe that the church has replaced Israel? I would say they're in serious error at that because the church has certainly not replaced Israel. Uh, the big name they give for that is replacement theology, or an even bigger name to impress you, Nigel, supersessionism. 
don't ask me to spell it, my friend. Um, but you know, that's what they call it. I think, again, if you look through the pages of the Old Testament, you'll find that God had a covenant with his people, which were Israel, the Jewish people. And again, when you fast forward into the New Testament scriptures, you find that God is working with not only the Jewish people, gathering them unto himself, but it's also working with what we would call today the body of Christ, the church. And, and so uh, the problem is that if you see the church replacing Israel, uh, they want the good bits of all the blessings, but they don't want the not so good bits of what also is allied to those early covenants. So no, to me, yeah. there are two clear lines that God is working through yeah, and yeah. his covenant to both he will be faithful to. Yes, excellent, excellent. Now, in 2016, you set up your own ministry called Truth for Today. Um, what led you to do that? Um, and how, how do you do the work that you're currently involved with? Yeah, what led me to do that? Um, I mentioned earlier that I've had many years' involvement with Transfer Radio, and I've also been able to maintain the links with many of the Transfer Radio ministries dotted around the world. And one of those is obviously in Africa, in Kenya. And I've been there many, many times, just serving the Lord and doing stuff for pastors uh, in Kenya, but more in the rural communities. And so in 2015, I think it was, I was back in Kenya, almost the land of my adoption, and was spending time away, way up there in the northwest of Kenya, in the poorest region in the country, Turkana County. I was in the town of Lodwar doing pastor's conferences. The temperature was in the mid-40s. There was no air conditioning. It was sweltering, etc. And we had the most amazing time. God came, God blessed. Mm. I began to feel a wee tad unwell towards the end of that, but really didn't think anything of it, you know, food poisoning or whatever the case might be. Yeah. But within a matter of weeks of getting home, it became fairly obvious that I picked up a parasite. Uh, in that particular area and for nine or ten months I was basically out of action uh, to look at me today I look fairly fat and flourishing as they say but if you had met me on a street corner back then Nigel and you knew me you would have walked on past you would not have recognized me the weight just fell off me I became emaciated looking uh, big 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 problems from up here right to the bottom of my feet health-wise so they took me into hospital eventually, did all kinds of tests, etc. And went to tropical medicine people also in yep. Sheffield, where they diagnosed ultimately what the problem was. It's a parasite. And I felt at that point in time that there's no way, because the future did not look bright, to be quite honest with you. Um, and so I felt it would not be prudent for me to continue on in the leadership of Messianic Testimony and be a be a lame duck, as it were. So yeah. I stepped down from that and gradually began to recover, gradually began to get my strength back, etc. Yes. And that's when I set up Truth For Today. Yeah. Wonderful. And, and what, what does Truth For Today do? Well, Truth For Today, you'll recognize the name. There's no doubt, sir. It was me taking my radio program name and calling it to the ministry we're involved in today. Probably one or two strings to the bow. Uh, you can check out the website. There's a lot of stuff on there. Yep. Uh, over a thousand free items for download on the website, truthfortoday 
www.ghostbusters.co.uk. Uh, number one, it's to accept um, invitations to minister God's word wherever around the world he may open a door. Um, and so it's a Bible teaching ministry. Uh, the second side of that same coin is that to seek to be a mentor, an encouragement, uh, someone whom others in full-time ministry can draw alongside and just simply share their heart with and we seek to walk the path with them. And so we have continued contacts made in Latin America, the USA, throughout Europe, Israel, etc. But people I meet with regularly just to walk the path with them. Um, and then thirdly, that as God would bless the ministry, the aim and we've been able to do it so far, thank God, is to be able to bless other ministries with 20-25% of the income generated from preaching, etc., and grants, etc., to be able to bless other ministries dotted around the world. And yeah, Amazing. that's Praise what it's all Lord. about. Praise it's simply the preaching the word yeah. wherever God gives us opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Um, you will, being a, a Bible teacher, you'll know this verse very well. I often quote, it's, my, it's probably one of my favorite verses, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Obviously, Paul writing to the Thessalonians, thanking God that when they received the word of God, they accepted it, not as the word of man, but for what it really is, he says, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. I love that. I love that verse. So the word performs a work in people who believe yeah. And obviously the question is, are we in the word for the work to perform its work? So, yeah. Now, um, we know that life has its challenges. Uh, and you have had your fair share of challenges. You just recounted one in, in that illness you had. Uh, but you wrote a book, didn't you, called Lord, It's Hurting or It's Hurting Lord. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. How did that book come about and, and what led you to write that? Well, that book came about, Nigel, because my wife, Lois, and I passed through a deeply um, devastating experience. We were blessed with one son, Timothy, who actually was born just a few days before I started Belfast Bible College. And so I can remember those early days of learning my Greek or my Hebrew in one hand and having him in the other in the wee small hours trying to pacify a little kid. Um, but yeah, when he was, uh, we'd moved to Loughborough at the time, and when he was almost 15, he was out doing what kids do, a paper round, making a few extra pennies, or pounds rather, would have been then. And um, he was knocked down by what we think was a drunk driver. Uh, there were no witnesses to the incident. Mm. But basically, he was rushed then to the Leicester Royal Infirmary. And uh, two or three days later, we agreed that it would be wise to switch off the life support machine. And I think, as you can imagine, for any young couple, that's not the kind of thing you prepare for. It's what happens at times. Uh, it was a devastating experience for the both of us. Um, and the challenge at that point is, how do you pick up their broken pieces? Mm. Is life really worth living? Is there life after death? And um, yes, there is, is the answer to that. But you still have to cope with living down here. And those early days were very dark. They were difficult. They were quite traumatic. Our emotions were all over the place. We were here, there and yonder emotionally. Um, 
And yet, looking back now through that very painful experience, I've been able to sit alongside many others who have gone through something very similar in relation mm. to their own family, boys and girls and loved ones, and just be able to say, I genuinely understand mm. how you feel, what you're going through. Um, and so been able to minister to others in a mm. similar experience. I think looking back as well, Nigel, it puts a lot of things in perspective. Because when you lose a kid who's almost 15 years of age, you begin to realize that there's a lot of things in life that really don't really mean very much. Yeah. It helps to put a lot of things in perspective and you see things from a different angle. It certainly gives you a greater awareness of the brevity of life mm. and of the speed with which an incident can happen. And that person is gone yeah. for time. Um, but it also gives you a heart and a hunger for home, for heaven itself. Mm. And you begin to see things from a totally different angle, I think, and makes you appreciate that, yeah, even though you're following Jesus and, and serving Jesus and giving Jesus everything, it does not mean that you will not pass through horrendously horrible times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, we came across a little verse in Lamentation 3 uh, shortly after Timothy was, was, was killed. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. Now, that's a verse that we actually put on his headstone in the cemetery. But that verse is so true. It's, it's, it's in the same section where it talks about our hope being in God and, and great is thy faithfulness and mercy is new every morning. But so great is his compassion yeah. that even when he does allow grief to enter into our hearts and lives, God is still faithful. God is still there. And I think I've discovered even in recent times, especially that um, no experience in life is ever lost. It's never wasted. I still believe in my heart without any doubt that Father knows but the Father knows best. And it's not the path that I would have chosen to walk far from it, yeah. but it's the path that God has invited us to walk down. Mm. But he has been with us each step along that journey. Goodness me. I would not be here today doing what I'm doing if it were not for the adequacy and the sufficiency of the grace of God. Gosh. So that book's called It's Hurting, Lord. Is that right? How, how do people get hold of that book? Well, that book actually came out um, at the suggestion of my publishers back then, which who were ambassador. It came out, I think, a year after Timothy died. It was um, ghost-written by friends of ours, and then I rewrote the whole thing because yeah. I, there was no way I could just sit down and write it, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. That book went through many, many reprints, um, it is currently out of print. Okay. If people want to buy it, yeah. they will have to search high and low on Amazon. There's yeah. still secondhand copies doing the rounds, okay. but I know it's still available in some of the secondhand bookshops that you okay. can get okay. when you go onto Amazon. Okay. It's Hurting Lord by Sam and Lois Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. They'll probably pay four or five times the yeah. price, yeah. but 
people who have read it have all come back and said to me that they're glad they read it because I've told the truth in the story. I've glossed over nothing. Um, The problem is that so often you read a book like that and it says all the things that Christian people expect you to say. Yes. Um, But I've told it warts and all. And therein lies the help for people going through something similar. Wonderful. Well, I just commend that to you. If you're listening and you have lost uh, a child, then that could be something that could um, be very helpful to you. So thank mm. you so much. Now, talking about books, you've written a number of books. And, um, you know, we spent a lot of 2020, haven't we, in lockdown. <laughs> I believe that you have not been idle. In fact, I have in my hand a book, um, <laughs> which I believe you wrote during lockdown. So, I did. So I did. What led you to write this book on? A, it's a commentary on the book of Daniel, isn't it? Really, it is. It is. Uh, so, what's it called? And um, yeah, tell us about what led you to write it. Well, that book is actually called "Great God of Heaven," uh, and then the little subtitle "Daniel Made Simple." Mm-hmm. Um, that's my 21st publication, actually, which is amazing, looking back on what happened in my early teenage years and, and school and everything. Yep. But uh, God works on and God even uses flawed people. I'm very grateful for that. My previous book came out two years previously, uh, Five Marks of a Gospel Church, which looks at 1 Thessalonians, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And as happened, uh, my publishers Riches of Kilmarnock said to me shortly after that, and it was eminently successful. So Sam, when's the next one coming out? (laughs) And I made a commitment, a verbal commitment to them that I would do something for them in 2020, probably on the book of Daniel, because I'd written one a few years earlier in the book of Revelation entitled All Hail the Lamb, which thankfully was a bestseller too. We're grateful to God for that. So when lockdown came, Nigel, um, I think it was my last time I preached and first lockdown was, some, I think it was the 15th of March, Sunday 15th of March, I think it was, in Cradley, outside Birmingham. I'd never been there before, the first time. And then lockdown started that Monday, if my memory is right. And I thought to myself, what am I going to do? Because everything was closing. Yes. Everything was shut down. I mean, church is everything at that point in time. Yes. And that's when God seemed to say to me, okay, old fellow, you promised you would do a book on Daniel. Now is the time to do it. Yeah. And so I set myself a target that um, with God's help, I would write one chapter per week. Yeah. And you will be aware that there are 12 chapters in the book of Daniel. And that's what I did. I wrote one chapter per week, averaging sort of between 50 and 60 plus hours writing every single week. And then I took another week or two just to tie the loose ends as they were doing intro, etc. And so I think it was about 15 weeks uh, during that long first lockdown. Yeah. And so I called this book, The Great God of Heaven, my lockdown legacy. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was published, um, I think, at the end of October, I think it was. Yeah. And already the sales are into the four figures wow. for which we praise God. And just wow. about to be released, actually, in the USA which is quite encouraging too. Well, isn't so, that no, that's I'm, good. I'm about a third of the way through and it's, it's wonderful. wonderful. Um, the so. last two thirds are the better part. <laughs> now, um, 
it's quite obvious from our discussions so far that the word of God is very important to you. <laughs> um, and obviously we are, as a, as a ministry, uh, Precept has, has been going for 50 years. Um, yeah. And our heart is to equip people with the tools and the skills to be able yeah. to study the Bible for themselves. We yeah. need great men of God and, and teachers like yourself. Mm-hmm. We all need those and we benefit from that tremendously. But we also know that there's nothing like digging it out for yourself. And so uh, as a ministry, our heart, that is what our heart is to do. And that's clearly what you spent your life doing, digging out the truth yeah. and, then, yeah. and then communicating it in a way that people can uh, uh, receive it and live in light of it, which is a tremendous gift that obviously the Lord's given you. Um, but I just want to say for those people who are listening that want to be able to discover the truth like we're hearing Sam has and does, then do contact us because we have a wide range of resources um, to be able to help you. And you mentioned, Sam, that you were not brilliant necessarily at English or or, uh, in your education. Uh, And I wasn't either, I have to say. Um, So if I can if I can study the word of God, then anybody can, I tell you. Yeah. (laughs) Now, um, why is the word of God important to you? Why is the word of God important? Well, again, reading through the book of Daniel, I mean, the word of God is the word of God. You and I can talk from now till the cows come home or the sun sets at the end of the year. And what we say may be uh, great stuff and good stuff, and we will enjoy each other's conversation. But, you know, at the end of the day, the heavens will come, the earth will go. But God's word, it lives on forever. So anything God says is always well worth listening to. There's a relevance to God's word, hence the name of the ministry, Truth For Today. And so there's a timelessness to it, isn't there? And so when we read God's word, it's actually God speaking to you as an individual, to me as an individual, I hear God speaking ever so clearly. Um, And so there is a, it is so important. Uh, and And our background doesn't really enter into it. We simply approach the word with a, with a hungry heart, with a desire to learn more about Jesus. We pray, Lord, speak to me that I may understand what you're trying to say to me. Yeah, God gets down to your level and down to my level. There's yeah. no doubts about that. What, are, what would you say to someone, though, a skeptic maybe, who, who has no interest really in, in the Bible at all? How, what would you say to him to even encourage him to open it? Well, I mean, that is always a challenge, isn't it? Because even if you look at the people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ spoke in his relatively short ministry down here on planet Earth, they were all kinds of people with all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of background. Some people heard him ever so gladly. Some people heard him, they didn't like what they heard, so they ran a mile in the opposite direction. There were people who were genuinely sincere in inquiring after him. There were people who were ever so sceptical. And so when it comes to the word of God, I mean, and Daniel, I think, is, is a class example. I mean, as, as you've discovered reading it through, Nigel, Daniel isn't just prophetic, looking into the future. Daniel is packed full with history. And so for people who've got big question marks in the front of their mind as to the uh, reliability of God's word, and uh, you just got to read the book of Daniel. It's all there, written 
years and years and years before certain things even happened. Yeah. And any doubts that people have in the front of their mind, they can look at Wikipedia. <laughs> it's all there. They can read Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, they can read Josephus, the early historians. And it's all there. How did Daniel know? Because God told them so. Yeah. And so the word of God is, it, it, is, it, it, it is never, ever out of date. It yeah. says something to you today. It says something to me today and to the both of us tomorrow. Yeah. And we go forward with that, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a favourite Bible book or or character? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. I've got loads of them, but I think bringing it right up to date at this point in time, <laughs> and I suppose looking back, as I say in the introduction to my new book, Daniel is my boyhood hero. I mean, he is. I just love the guy. Yeah. And I, I think the thing that inspires me about Daniel is that, I mean, there he was in his, in his mid-teens, taken away from his homeland, etc., but into a foreign land, and how he rose to pretty much near the top rung of the ladder, and how God preserved him through all those years, and even when he was in a den of lions. Yeah. And hey, unlike many of the pictures we see of him in a den of lions in yeah. children's storybooks, he wasn't a, a guy in his 20s or 30s at that point. No. He was an old man. Yeah. Yeah. So I take heart and I think, wow, if yeah. God can do that for dear old Daniel, there's hope for me yet. And I, I just love Daniel. I love the book of Daniel. But there's so many other things that my, my favorite verse isn't in the book of Daniel, I have to say. It's in what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in his second epistle, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. And it's a wee verse I've used over many, many years. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's what my favorite verse is, to show that the excellency of the power is of God and not of us. Mm -hmm. Treasure in old clay pots. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, Now we're coming into land. Um, How do you like spending your free time? (laughs) Well, you know, you're coming into land. I think that goes back to your days as a helicopter pilot, doesn't it? It certainly does. We're coming into land. I hope it's not a bumpy landing, not a crash landing, but I enjoy coffee shops. I enjoy doing the crossword and the Daily Telegraph. And believe it or not, after all these years, I do enjoy reading. We have, in the last couple of years, got a little dog, a beautiful little dog. She's about there somewhere, Uh, Maltese, pure white. She's only two years old. I enjoy taking her walks. And then, you know, for my sins or otherwise, I happen to be a devotee of uh, Man United. Now, don't hold that against me, Nigel. But yeah, The only professional football match I've ever watched was between Manchester United and Arsenal, aged 11. And I saw George Best, Northern Irishman, score a goal in the first five minutes from within his home and a half. And Man United won (laughs) 3-2. What a legend. I actually know George's sister, Carol, at that. She's a believer, loves the Lord. But yeah, I mean, back then in Northern Ireland, we were kids growing up. There were mainly two teams that boys supported. One was the Reds, Liverpool. The other was Man United. And because of the connections with Harry Gray, George Best and many others, I went for United. So for 
60 years. I've been following. Did you watch George Best ever play? Not live. Okay. As in a stadium as such. I've seen him loads of times on the telly. Yeah, um, yeah. but was, never actually seen him live. He was incredible, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I know. Well, I listen, wish. Um, I wish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for um, sharing today. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a journey, hasn't it? It, it is has a journey. It's been quite a journey. Um, thinking I've back to, to your growing up and uh, your education or not, uh, but how the Lord's taken you through. Um, and, and really giving you a heart and a gift, a tremendous gift um, to be able to study and then expound God's word, which in today's world, in the, in the world in which we live today, is so important. It's so, so important, isn't it? Um, it is vital. Absolutely vital. Absolutely. Um, if we don't have the word, we have nothing. Yeah. And so I'm thankful for that privilege. Um, I'm not worthy of the calling that God has given to me, um, but God is faithful. God is good yeah. all the time. All the time. Wonderful. Well, listen, thank you so much. And the Lord continue to bless you in your writing, uh, in your Nigel. ministry. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's been an absolute joy and a real pleasure to, to speak to you today. So thank you for being on the Bible and Me podcast. The pleasure is mine, dear brother. Look forward to seeing you again sometime. God bless you. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you.